Alright, can everybody hear me? Can everybody hear me? Nope. That better? Can you hear me now? <laughs> Good evening, everyone. Good to see everyone here tonight. You guys all made a choice tonight. You made a choice to put God first tonight by showing up here. Very thankful, very proud of you for that. Before we begin, I want to share a, a story with you. And I know that probably everyone in here has heard this probably many times, but it never gets old. So just humor, humor me, will you? You'll start to giggle when I begin here. I once heard a story about a hen and a pig who became very good friends. One seldom saw them apart. And one day as they strolled about the barnyard lot, the hen suggested that since they had never eaten breakfast together, that they do that the next morning. Never being one to turn down a meal, the pig readily agreed and asked, what will we eat? The hen stood in deep thought for a while, then said, it appears to me that if each of us contributes something to the meal, it will be more meaningful to each of us. Fine, said the pig, and what do you suggest? Again, the hen stood as if in deep thought for a while and then said, I have an idea. Let's have ham and eggs. I'll provide the eggs and you the ham. Hold on, said the pig. What you offer to contribute is the fruit of your labor, but what you're asking of me requires total commitment. <laughs> Alright, tonight we're in the last three chapters of the book of John. If you've got your Bibles to follow along, we won't go through it verse by verse. I've picked out a couple of verses that I'm really focusing the lesson on tonight, but... I do want to briefly just outline these last three chapters before we begin here. You know, at the beginning of chapter 19, verses 1 through 16, Pilate's got a decision to make. Pilate's put in a position and he's got to make a choice. You know, we're, t we're given a lot here about Pilate's character. He takes a man whom he, he knows to be innocent and sends him to be scourged. Verse 1. That tells us a lot about Pilate's character. About his just brutal, you know, he's an ex-soldier turned ruthless politician. Sending an innocent man to be scourged. <laughs> Probably all of us know what scourging is. It was gruesome. They would beat him with things that would cut. Every time it would hit, it would cut and leave marks. Very gruesome. But Pilate's got a decision to make. He knows he's innocent. He tries best to get out of it. But, you know, when we hear the words peer pressure, a lot of us think of, of kids, teenagers, peer pressure. But when we become adults, the peer pressure never stops. And Pilate there is a good example of that. He knows what's right, but it... But he goes with the crowd and what people are pressuring him to do there. And we'll probably come back to that a little bit and discuss Pilate a little more later in the lesson. In the remainder of the chapter, verses 16 through 42 there, we have the death and burial of Christ. You know, the scene from the cross and everything that happened there. Chapter 20 is the resurrection of Christ. You know... The good news, the good day when he arose from the grave. 
How blessed were those who were the first ones to go tell the good news. Jesus is risen. We have saw him. In verse 17 there of chapter 20. What a privilege and honor those people had to be the first ones to go tell that. That Jesus is risen. Now at the end of chapter 20... These are going to be a couple of verses that we're going to focus on tonight. At the end of chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, it reads, And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. You know, John here is telling us, look, if we recorded every detail of everything that Jesus did, it would have absolutely exhausted us, is what he's saying. It's just, there were so many things that Jesus did, many that are not written. But verse 31, But these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Life eternal life that we can have through the blood of Christ. That'll be a couple verses we'll focus on, particularly verse 31, this, this eternal life that we have through Christ. That's going to be one of our main focuses tonight. Then we have chapter 21. Of the things John recorded, you know, the men had been out fishing. I'm not going to go through it verse by verse, chapter 21 here. But the men had been out fishing, some of the disciples. They'd been fishing all night, caught nothing. The next morning, Jesus is standing on the shore. I'm paraphrasing this first part. But, and he tells them, you know, throw the net out on the right side. You'll find some. So they did. They realized that it is Christ. About verse 14 there in chapter 21. This is the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, he picks Peter out, and he asked him, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, Feed my lambs. Then he said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, Tend my sheep. <laughs> Verse 17, a third time. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. You know, I'm not proclaiming to know why Jesus asked Simon Peter that three times. But if you recall, how many times did Peter deny Christ on that night? It was three times. Now, I'm not saying that it has, one has anything to do with the other, but it's just kind of when we think about this. He asked Peter three times, Do you love me? Peter was grieved the third time, like, you know, what, you know, what's wrong? Reading on there in verse 18, Jesus told him, Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. And this he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, Follow me. 
Those are the two other words our lesson is going to be focused on tonight. What Jesus meant when he said, follow me. And immediately after that, Peter's distracted, worrying about somebody else, as we'll read there. Reading on in verse 20, Then Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved, we know it was John, following, who also had leaned on, <coughs> leaned on his chest at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? And Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, But Lord, what about this man? Jesus has given him instruction and he's instantly distracted worrying about what somebody else is going to do or worrying about what their fate is. Verse 22, Jesus said to him, If I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? And Jesus says again, You follow me. That teaches us a valuable lesson today. You know, we don't need to be worried about what others are doing or what others think of us. We need to follow Christ unconditionally and with total commitment. Just like what the pig was going to offer for that breakfast was total commitment. We need to have total commitment to follow Christ. In our verses, back in chapter 20 and verse 31, in order for us to have this life in Jesus' name, this eternal life, in order to obtain that, and to be given that eternal life, we are going to have to follow Jesus with total commitment. That's the only way we're going to, be, to receive it. We, we must love our Lord, our God, with our whole being. If you want to look at Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 40, that's Matthew 22... Verses 37 through 40. Backing up to verse 36, they ask him, they say, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest command and great commandment. And the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and all the prophets. We are to love God and follow Him with all of our being, 100%, all of it. And we can't hold anything back. If you'll look at Luke 14 and verse 33, that's Luke 14 and verse 33. We can't hold anything back. Luke 14, 33. So likewise, who, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Very blunt, isn't it? Very blunt and straightforward. Whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Is, is Jesus telling us we have to put him first? Is God telling us that we have to put him first? It's very blunt and it's very plain. What do we have to offer him? Ourselves. A personal sacrifice. Living sacrifice. Is in Romans 12 and verse 1. If you're following along. Romans 12. Romans 12 and verse 1. 
I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. We see those words, reasonable service. God sent His Son to die that horrible death on the cross for us. Is it only reasonable that we give ourselves to Him, to serve Him? Having a total commitment means that we put God first in all things. At times in our lives, and I can, and I can relate to this, we get so many things going on at the same time You've been there. You've got things happening at the same time. You've got to make a choice. Which is more important? You know, you're going to have to do one or the other. We've all been there. We've got to make a choice. We've got to choose what's more important. And all too often, God is the one that gets put off. We get distracted by things that are not important. We get distracted by worldly things. And God's the one who gets put off. We have an account in, in Luke chapter 10, if you want to turn there. Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. We have Martha. Starting verse 38. Now it happened as they... As they went, that he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore tell her to help me. <laughs> and Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha... You know, this saying her name twice just kind of, you can just feel the disappointment in the language there. Just He says her name twice. Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. The Lord and Savior is in her house talking giving them the words of life and she's distracted by serving. She's not listening. Seriously? He is in her house in the flesh and blood and she's distracted by something that don't matter. And how much more today, since we cannot physically see Him, how much more distracted do we get? She could see Him. She was there with Him. He was in her home. And still she got distracted. And how much more does it happen today? And it's just because we can't see Him. You know, it's just, we know He's there continually. We know that from the Scriptures. He's always around. But we can't see Him. It's easier to put off things we can't see. <clears throat> when we do things, there's no immediate consequences. There will be, on Judgment Day, there will be consequences. Everything we ever do in this life will be recorded in the books when they're open. Recorded in Revelation. It, it will be there. Everything we've ever done will be recorded. God will know everything we've ever done. But we don't see immediate punishment today, so it just it makes it easier for us to put Him aside and put Him on the back burner, so to speak. 
But these things will all be revealed on that day. In order to receive eternal life, we have to put God and His church first in our lives. If you'll look at Matthew 6 and 33, Matthew 6, 33, it plainly says it. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. A few verses before that, He's telling people not to worry. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. Stop worrying. Seek first the kingdom of God, and you'll have all that you need. Seek Him first. A great example, we have the disciples as an example. If you'll turn back to the left, Matthew chapter 4. Verses 18 through 22. That's Matthew 4. Verses 18 through 22. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, Here we see those words again, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother in the boat with Zebedee their father, mending their nets. He called them and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. <laughs> Just that easy, isn't it? Just drop everything and follow Jesus. They did. Is that what God expects us to do today is put him first above all? What are we going to have to do to receive that crown of righteousness on Judgment Day? We're going to have to put Him first. Christ invited them. He invited these men to follow Him. And they left everything. Their family, their business. They left everything for a chance to follow Christ the Messiah. They left it all. And this same invitation is offered to each of us today. The invitation is open. It says here in the scriptures, follow me. That relates to us today as well. Jesus is saying, follow me. But if we follow Jesus, there is conditions that we're going to have to, there's, there's troubles that we're going to have to face. If you'll please turn to Matthew chapter 10. I'd like everyone to sure enough follow with this one. Matthew chapter 10, verses 34 through 38. Matthew 10... 34 through 38. Many of you know it well, but when we make a decision that we're going to follow Christ, you're going to have instant enemies somewhere. Might be a family member, might be a friend. When you make the decision that you're going to follow Christ, you're going to have an enemy somewhere. You're going to create one instantly. Starting verse 34 of Matthew 10. Do not think that I come to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. 
those of us not raised in the church, you know, there's some of us, I don't know how many, but when we make that decision that we're going to follow Christ, how many of us had family members scoff at us? I mean, it's going to happen. Not everyone's going to believe. It's going to create enemies. And then there you're faced with a decision, kind of like Pilate. You know what's right, you know what you need to do, but you're being pressured by others to do something else. What will your decision be when, if you're put in that position? Young ones, those of you not married yet, I'm going to meddle just a little bit. When you're looking for girlfriends, boyfriends, you better make sure that it's somebody that loves God more than you. Because if they love God more than you, you can help each other get to heaven. When we marry someone that's not a child of God, Satan becomes our father-in-law. Don't do it. Don't go there. Make sure it's someone that loves God more than you and you will be just fine. Make sure you have the same goal. Make sure they are a Christian. Make sure they are following Jesus. Otherwise, you're going to have an enemy right in your own household. Constantly wearing you down. It may take years. You know. Now, I know there's conversion stories. That's great. The righteous one converts the other one. That's great. We need to be aware of the dangers of the dark side the other way. Don't be led the other way. Don't let it wear you down. You start doing little things against God and then it just progresses and you end up being lost. Don't go that direction. We must follow God. Just like Pilate was put in a position, you know, he proclaimed three times that Jesus was innocent. Three times. Pilate knows. But the crowd's telling him otherwise. And then they bring up Caesar. They say, we have no king but Caesar. That's what did, you know. At that point, Pilate's got a decision. If he turns Jesus loose and calls him the king of the Jews, he's endorsing a king and going against Caesar. What would have happened to Pilate? He would have been executed for treason. That was the decision he had to make. Go with the crowd or go with what he knew was right. He knew Jesus was innocent. He chose to save his life. Go with the crowd. He orders an innocent man to be crucified, knowing that he's innocent. We may get in some decisions that are tough. We must put God first. I have another story to share with you, and I, I thought this one was pretty good. It... Uh, it's just about having a, a willing commitment to God. I think it's a very good illustration. I'll, I'll share it with you here. And it was put like this. <clears throat> it was said that in, that in your grandma or great-grandma's day, she used to get up on Sunday morning, cook a big breakfast for a large family, milk the cows, churn, clean house, kill and dress the chickens for dinner, dress the children, then drive with the family in a buggy or wagon five miles to worship services and was likely to get there early. And then today, when breakfast comes in a cereal box, the milk, butter, and chickens come from the grocery store and the distance to the church building is covered in minutes in an automobile, it's almost impossible for some to make it to Bible study on time. <laughs> That's a good analogy. It's true. It's true. I didn't live back then, but I believe it. 
and what and the description of what goes on today is is true we go to the grocery store and get all we want we got an automobile we can drive down the road 60 70 miles an hour and, and we're still late to bible class you know we didn't have to go saddle and hitch a team and ride a buggy to town we must have a willing commitment to god God rewards those who have their priorities straight. There are rewards. If you look at Luke 18, Luke 18, verses 28 through 30. Luke 18, verses 28 through 30. Peter speaks up here. Verse 28, Then Peter said, See, we have left all and followed you. Very bold statement here, he's, Peter's saying. We've left all and followed you. Verse 29, So he said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or parents or brothers or wife or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who shall not receive many times more in this present time and in the age to come eternal life there we see those words eternal life in Psalm in, the, in Psalm 84, verses 10 through 12. Psalm 84, verses 10 through 12. That's Psalm 84, verses 10 through 12. It says, For a day in your courts is better than a thousand. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. We catch that? I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord God will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. When I very first started attending service, there was a brother, Charlie. He's passed on now. But he would sit up there and he would say, I don't need no gold mansion that's silver lined when I get to heaven. He said, I'll be just perfectly fine with a cardboard box just right inside the gate. I'll be perfectly fine. I just want to be there. That was a statement he would say. He, he don't need no gold mansion. He just wants to be there. Don't matter. He, he's, he was good with a cardboard box. I thought that was... <laughs> sure, I can, still, I can still picture him saying it. That was, when I very, that was when I was learning. I'm still learning, but very, very first. Godliness is profitable in all things, every aspect of our life. If you'll look at 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. 1 Timothy, I'm in 2 Timothy, forgive me. 1 Timothy chapter 4, here we are. 
chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. For bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. Brothers and sisters, if we follow Christ, if we follow God with a total commitment, if we completely and totally put Him first in our lives, it is profitable for everything. We will be able to be better fathers. We will be better mothers. We'll be better husbands. We'll be better wives, better employees, business owners, better friends to those around us. Every aspect of our lives, it will make us better. Better and better as we grow and grow closer to Him. God has done His part. He promised to send His Son. He promised to send the Savior. Prophesied many years before God promised to send Him. He did. He sent Him. And Christ did His part. Believe you me, He played out His part to the end. Standing there before Pilate, innocent, being charged with blasphemy, being scourged. I can't even begin to imagine the pain and agony that was. Being spit on, mocked, the crown of thorns placed on his head. And I guarantee you they didn't put it on there easy. I guarantee you they smashed it on there. Jesus did his part. He remained faithful until death so that we could have life through his blood. So that we can be right with God someday through the blood of Christ. God did His part. Christ has done His part. The question for us tonight, are we showing the same commitment that they did? Are we showing total commitment? God sent His only Son to die that horrible death. Jesus came and lived it. He followed through. And now God is commanding total commitment from us in order to receive eternal life. Are we totally committed? Are we following Jesus? Are we showing the same commitment as they did? I'd like to thank you for listening tonight. That was what I had. In a minute, we're going to have a song of, of invitation. The invitation's not of me, it's of God. The invitation's always open. If someone is struggling, if someone needs a Bible study on this subject, you know, to dig deeper. I only hit the very highlights. There's so much in these scriptures to go over. We'd be here literally till midnight. But if anyone is in need of problems, Bible study, maybe you haven't put on Christ in baptism. Maybe tonight's the night. Whatever your need may be, please come as we stand and as we sing.